This is Talking the Drive, where the people who create what's next in the car reimagine what's possible. I'm John McLeod Rivet, CEO, and today we're recording live from the Covisa Connected Car Conference in Dearborn, Michigan. Joining me today are Rod McKenzie, CEO, Drive Time Metrics. Great to see you again. Great to be here. Thanks, John. And Roy Casino, Chief Engineer from Rivet. Roy, welcome, Roy. Thank you, John. Excited. Great. Let's jump right in. NPR reported in August that video streaming outperformed both cable and broadcast TV for the first time. That headline speaks for itself. In earlier Talking the Drive episodes, we talked about how streaming, audio streaming, will emerge as a dominant media platform in the car for one simple reason. It's what people want. It's also something that digital marketers are drooling over to get into the car. And with the exception of perhaps Sirius XM, it is really the first time that the car companies could participate big time in the financial benefits of bringing audio entertainment and infotainment into the car. So will this happen in the car? How will it be different? And what needs to happen for it to actually show up in the car? That's a great point, John. Let's think about what's actually happening in the home and why streaming is so popular. And if you think about it, that the traditional home entertainment was defined by the delivery technology. You had broadcast TV, and then you had cable. And so the people that were heavily licensed and regulated and controlled the infrastructure controlled the content. And streaming has just opened that up. So there's now way more choice, and lots more people can get involved in making amazing content. But that creates a new problem. We've got so much choice. How do we actually find the things that we're really interested in? And I think the same is going to happen in the car. Obviously, there was AM and FM radio. Then along comes satellite radio, a little like cable TV, a lot more choice. But now we're getting 4G, 5G, initially through smartphones, and now embedded in the car. So you can get any content you want in the car. The question is, how do you find the content that you really want when you're really meant to be focused on driving? That's one of the key points is this new experience that I think we're reimagining, streaming into the car, um, there's safety issues, you know, we need to keep the driver focused, but could this streaming make the experience actually more simple? If you think about it, if you get into the car, you just hit on, on the media device. You turn it on, the vehicle is giving us information where you're located, how many people might be in the car, is there a passenger, are, are there people in the back seat? It knows the content that you like, it starts streaming in this content towards you. Again, you're minimizing the interaction, so actually it might give the opportunity to actually give a, a pretty immersive experience, but in the end it might be a, a safer experience where it knows the content to send you, it knows when to send it to you, it knows where the car is, it knows the type of brand of car you're driving. So if you really think about these opportunities, taking advantage of an OEM, knowing what sort of car you're in, sure, and, and taking advantage of all of that. Yep. Well, and, and in earlier Talking the Drive episodes, we, we talked about how streaming will be different in the car. So video streaming, of course, is a lot of bandwidth, it's a lot of data, mm -hmm. it's a lot of distraction. So we're not really talking about video streaming. We're talking about a product that probably starts audio first, audio streaming, a much smaller file, MP3 file, with probably other associated data with it, text images, those types of things. But maybe there's a new multimedia 
that we need to think about in the car that basically covers a spectrum of experiences that is audio first, but adds other elements of visualization, getting all the way up to video as the car becomes more autonomous and becomes more, more self-driving. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, that spectrum of, of experience drives a lot of issues around data, around cloud costs, around connectivity costs. But the personalization that's possible is so much better than broadcast. Because broadcast one to many, you really can't pinpoint to people what they want. And from a monetization perspective, the marketers really cannot deliver specific ads and get feedback about what actually was seen. And I think that whole aspect of personalization and making it easier for the people to find what they're interested in and also get the information that they need about context and is an accident up ahead and all of the things that we deal deal with when we're in a car. It needs a lot more happening outside the car and intelligence to help us make that an easy experience in the car. Well, and we, we talked earlier with, uh, you know, with Bart Swearman, one of the senior executives from Here Technologies, about how maybe this is really the chance for the, the marriage of location and media to come together right. in the connected car. Because what's unique about the car? It's moving, the context of where it is, where it's going. And to be able to turn all of that contextual information into simple, consumable kinds of experience, audio, again, audio first, but other, other kinds of media. And it also, with that location information, allows for the targeting of the programming and, and the, the monetization. Where does that go and is that possible? If you think about it, it, it actually not only knows where you are, but it might begin to derive, you know, you're on your route to work. It, it, it sees you start off at a certain point. It sees you generally go to a certain point day after day, gathers this data. Knowing maybe that you do this approximately 9 a.m., it's usually a 30-minute route. You can do a lot with the, uh, with the content then that's you know, delivered into the vehicle. How do the marketers think about having this kind of information? What do they want to know about the drivers, the cars, the location? The marketing guys and the media guys are are hugely interested in understanding. I mean, if you think about it, probably from a media perspective, more than half of all listening happens in cars. And yet we know nothing today about what people are listening to. The technology's there. We've proved the ability to do it. We've proved what you can learn from people's behaviors. And, and I think once you know, the car companies are really interested in understanding what their customers are interested in doing, marketers, the ability to reach relevant people not just broadcast it and you know hope somebody is interested is a hugely interesting part of this so that there are many constituencies that would really like to see this happen when we launched rivet several years ago as, as an app on iphone and android we were successful in getting it integrated into jaguar land rover globally you know obviously it was delivered through apple carplay android auto we found it incredibly hard as an app provider to get consumers, to get audience, but the churn through the app and the cost of acquisition and, and maintaining those just proved to be insurmountable. Not to mention, we were probably a little bit early in the ability to monetize mm-hmm. that. And we pulled back, we pulled back on the app and that whole B2C kind of experience. 
What's different today, I believe, is that, and, and by the way, there's, we can talk about whether we should all give up to Android Auto and Apple CarPlay and just you know, <laughs> ma mail it in or there, there's another, another, another path to go. So that, that's a whole other discussion. But the reality is, is that yes, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, they're in every car and they're helping sell cars. So they're mm -hmm. very valuable for the car companies. But the actual consumption of media through those devices is both complicated and dangerous and is not generating high engagement. Is there an opportunity when the car becomes truly connected? It has a true, the hardware in the car, but also a data plan that's providing continuous connection. Is there an opportunity to create a different kind of experience and really capture the value of those uh, drivers and passengers. And I think the challenge is how do you do that at scale? Because if you're gonna be really interesting to marketers and if you're gonna really make an opportunity to generate revenue out of the vehicle, you have to achieve significant scale, tens of millions of users. And that's obviously one of the challenges that the car companies face. Typically in any market except South Korea, any one brand only has a maximum of about 20% of the, the market share. So to achieve the sort of scale to do this and make it really worthwhile, you have to go across the industry as an industry solution. You know, that's a tough thing for the car companies to lead. Probably the best example of that is what Sirius XM did. If you look at it from a business model perspective, they were originally funded by the car companies. Their entire business model was about them you know, putting up the satellites, providing the programming, basically being that cross-consumer experience. But then they, in essence, pay the car companies to be in the cars. Yeah. And to date, that's the only business model that I've ever seen that really works where the car companies are actually benefiting from the, yep. you know, from this kind of information. Right. And is there a parallel business model where there is a new service provider that comes along that basically can provide that streaming kind of service and advertising marketing service? Is there, is there that kind of an opportunity? I think that's exactly it. It's in this reimagined experience. In today's world, the, the OEM doesn't see anything from what's coming through the radio or the media in, in the vehicle. With this new reimagined experience, there is this new opportunity for revenue in there where if they're controlling some of the streaming, some of the content, it's the content the user wants, um, but you're still providing that content. There's more opportunity, I think, for a, a slice of the revenue in there. You mentioned satellite radio. Good example where um, yes, the car companies were absolutely instrumental in rolling it out across all of their brands. But the satellite radio companies were the guys that went and raised $3 billion. They were the guys that launched the satellite. And don't forget, they were the guys that actually drove customer adoption so that people were going into a car dealer and saying, I want satellite radio. It's getting that customer adoption that is the challenging part. That's why I think Apple CarPlay and Android Auto has been so successful because customers want it. It makes it easier to use your cell phone in the car. Not as easy as I think it can be, but it was a significant step forward in, in using services in the car that there was demand for. One of the things about being at the Connected Car Conference 
and Jim Kennedy of the AP, who was on an earlier episode of, of uh, Talking the Drive, basically said that from his perspective as a content provider, the connected car is actually kind of parked because it really hasn't fulfilled all of its potential. And the biggest reason for that is that, yes, the car's connected. Yes, you know, there are ways to get data in, in and out of the car, but you don't have that continuous cloud coverage while, while you're driving. And so one of the biggest issues that has come along in our discussions about this new possible streaming service is really the cost of that data plan. It's a huge nut. It's probably three to $500 a year over the life of the car. It's probably three to $5,000. And the big question is how do you pay for that? Who pays for that? And that actually stops a lot of conversations. The move to EV and autonomous vehicles is gonna require that connectivity. And so there, there is that natural, that natural push. Part of the reason why this is interesting for us is this could be a way to accelerate, not to pay for all of the connection charges, but it could be a way to accelerate that adoption of a data plan. Because now with a streaming service that is delivering ads, 20, 25% of that revenue can go directly to the car companies. Is this dreaming? Is this possible? Is this? No, I, I mean, from the conversations we've had with the car companies, they, they are now all convinced that not only do they have to put the connection into the car, but they have to keep it live throughout the life of the car. And there are lots of reasons for that. EV strategy, over-the-air software, whole bunch of features that, you know, like you can unlock your car and track it and all of those things that customers are wanting. So they're, they're convinced they have to do that. To do it obviously adds a significant bill of materials cost to the vehicle. So even if they're not aggressively thinking that this is a monetization opportunity, a lot of them are thinking, how can we recoup that cost and keep the profitability in the vehicles? We've done some back-of-the-envelope calculations on what is the value of that hour a day in the car in the U.S., 350 million hours a day. What is the value of that consumer? Just using podcast CPMs and conservative you know, adoption of ads and messaging, it's probably between 250 and $600 a year of new revenue opportunity into the car. And if you can get 20 to 25% of that going back to the car companies. There's a couple of hundred bucks available per year for the, for the car mm -hmm. companies to begin to subsidize this. Would that be interesting? If we walked into the car company and said, if we walked into the car company and said, hey, we want to pay you a bunch of money. <laughs> right. We need you to connect the car. We need access to your car data and drivers for right. a trusted service provider. Would you be willing to do that? I think absolutely, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. From the conversations we've had, that level of revenue would be very interesting. And it also has the potential to be a global opportunity because basically now you're, you're not going through AMFM, FCC kinds of restrictions. You're, you're basically dealing with data generated you know, locally and, and through, through different markets. I mean, the car companies, they all look for global solutions. They hated us at Satellite Radio that we made them engineer something just for North America. So global solutions is a, a big part of, of their interest. And when you think about it, the car companies are global, connectivity is global, 
the media companies are different in every market. Yes. In talking with a, with a bunch of the media companies, in my background before Naftec was, of course, Disney and, and entertainment, one of the things is clear is that in this sort of you know, future streaming connected car world, the media companies will be followers. They're not going to lead. And if you look at the history of, of media and programming, it always is to take existing programming and put it onto the new platform and then adapt it from there. They've never innovated, whether it was you know, radio to TV, TV to color TV, you know, to cable and all, all of those things. And when the internet came along, of course, the, the news organizations have taken 25 years to adopt that. So the content and programming people, they will follow if there's an audience, but they're not gonna innovate. We talked a little bit about the car companies, their role. I think they will, they will want to participate, but they're probably not in a position to be the one creating this new service. Right. It seems like there's a new service provider paradigm that needs to come. It might be from an existing player. I mean, could come from iHeartRadio or SiriusXM. It could be somebody doing streaming in other places. But it seems like there needs to be some new service provider step up to do something like this. Where can those new players come from? I think you're right. I don't think the car companies, it's not their DNA, it's not their priority, and they don't have the scale and the approach to do it. It does need a significant scale of organization, but that's not to say a new entrant couldn't come along. If you think about it, satellite radio came out of nowhere. It was new organizations that raised an inordinate amount of money and did some <laughs> incredible things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those were new players and they're now very established. But yeah, it needs a sizable operation to bring this to market. And what's different here is that there's probably an opportunity to do something that's much more capital efficient. Because in the satellite radio days, not only did one company put up a satellite, but two companies put up a yes. satellite with different hardware. Today we're talking about basically a data plan within an existing infrastructure. Right. And so it's not the kind of capital investment, but it's an ongoing operating commitment that somebody needs to step up to, which right. I guess is a form of capital. But you don't have that $3 billion to put up, put up satellites. But I think the piece that is, will be most expensive is basically putting the programming in the marketing, as you said, you need to get the consumers to want to be a part of this right. new service. So it's not inexpensive, but it's... And I think it's, it's creating a new user experience in the car that is critical to make this possible. If you think about it, we developed computers and laptops and the browser was the, the user interface. Then along came smartphones and the touchscreen allowed a whole new approach and apps. And, but when smartphones came out, we hadn't developed all of the ways to use them. And you think of others like Tinder with swiping left and swiping right. Is and that how it works? <laughs> so I'm told. <laughs> it's a whole new approach to user experience. As I look at the sort of history of infotainment in the car, the first thing we tried to do was just take an app store and stick it in the dash. And that didn't work. And now we've tried to take an iPod and glue it into the dash. 
And that doesn't really work either. There's a new approach that is needed to work within the, the constraints of a vehicle and unlock some really incredible potential. And in addition to that user experience, I think we give a new customizable experience to the OEMs where right now you can modify your graphic, inter your graphic interface, your user experience, but if you think about it, if you can customize a streaming experience, it brings a whole other um, aspect to this user experience. It does, but there's an interesting tension there. The OEMs all want to have a feel, a BMW feel, a Toyota feel. You know, as cars get more reliable and there's less differentiation between them, they want to have that character. But customers want to be able to get out of their Ford 150 pickup and into their whatever it is, Genesis, BMW, and have the same content available I agree. I agree. and easy to use and they're not relearning everything. That creates quite a bit of tension. Yeah, absolutely. All right, any questions or anybody want to make any comments? We'd, we'd welcome your questions or thoughts. Guys, go ahead. Curious on just guys, your guys' perspective. I'd say a typical consumer of a vehicle, right? They're kind of naive in terms of like wanting to just turn the key, get in the car, enjoy the experience, drive from point A to point B. And I do think that we're starting to see a growing concern in like data privacy, for instance, in terms of like having a cell phone and like kind of the always listening and now you're getting marketing different stuff that just shows up on your feed, maybe on social media, things of that nature. When you're looking at introducing some of these connected experiences where you can just get in your car, it's now going to be able to know if you're driving to work, it'll flip on maybe the music that you want to hear, or even long-term future state video streaming. I guess, where does the liability fall from a data privacy standpoint, whether it be on the streaming companies, the OEMs, like that's a lot of extra additional data that likely a driver or consumer is not going to know is being collected or how it's being utilized. So just, yeah, generally interested in your guys' perspective around the data privacy aspect of it. It's central to any solution, I think, that is presented. I mean, we're all living that world today and providing way more data than probably any of us really feel comfortable, particularly with our phones and, and other things like that. The notion is there needs to be a trusted, transparent service provider that is sitting in this position because it's both the car companies that care about not only their brand and their consumers, but then the people who are driving. I think it's a real issue that you have to address. And some people will just say, I, forget it. I just don't want to do it. I mean, we all know people who, who when they see the Alexa in the room, they just un rush to unplug it. I have some in my family, <laughs> yep. you know. But there's also a lot of people, particularly younger people, who don't want to pay for content, but they want content. And they're willing to pay, they're willing to be hit with ads and other things in return for that content. So I, I think it's a solvable thing, not for everybody, but I think transparency and trust become the foundation for this, which is why I think there's probably one or two, maybe three companies that could fill the service provider role because it has to be a trusted provider to the car companies and to the consumers, particularly if, as Rod said, right. they're, they're cutting across all the carriers. Yeah. I mean, but you guys might have some other thoughts. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think there's a number of elements. Trust is a key part of it. And it's interesting, actually, from what we've learned, the OEMs are really conscious of their role of this, as stewards of their customers' data. So they are making sure that the standards are maintained to a very high level. But when it comes down to it is I think people are prepared to accept 
sharing data so long as they get value out of it. You know, we've got to create something that they value to get them to want to share that data. Right, I, I absolutely agree. So it's transparency I think we need, so that they don't think it's, it's anything deceptive. And it's creating this user experience that I think is valuable enough that they're willing to, in a sense, make this trade. Mm -hmm. From an OE perspective, it's actually an opportunity to create a higher level of trust with the consumer than I think the smartphone companies have achieved to date. And I think that because the driving experience, it's almost like you're in a personal theater. And it's a sacred space in many ways for when people get in the car. And I think that to do what we're talking about, you don't need a lot of data about the person. What you really need to know is maybe what car they're in, where they're driving. We don't need to know that much more about that to deliver a really rich, personalized kind of right. experience. But it's, it's, it's absolutely at the center of whatever solution yeah. there is. Yeah. So great it. question. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, great. No, it goes to the provider piece of things, right? So uh, yes, it's going to be an Apple. Yes, it's going to be an Android. Or it's going to be a mass aggregator of all that content is out there. The OEMs are not going to be content developers. Right. Correct. I mean, you have a million podcasts, you have a million people doing that already, so I don't know who it becomes, but it sounds like there's an easy way to create an aggregator, whether it's an OEM-driven aggregator of that content or a third-party aggregator, an iHeart, or somebody to come in and do that. Who do you guys see as maybe the, the leaders who could do that? What That's actually something we talk about a lot, so yes. glad you asked that. <laughs> I like to set people up for success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, a few things that are, are, are key is going to be somebody with the scale to do it and the, the depth of pocket to do it. I think it has to be thought of as an industry solution and a global solution. So, you know, you look around at, at who's there. Sirius XM. You know, they've already sort of gone beyond their satellite route, routes and acquired Pandora. There's a lot of speculation about what they might do next. I think Amazon is an obvious one to look at. I mean, they're, they're putting a lot of effort to getting Alexa in the car and likely going beyond that. Google obviously has invested heavily with uh, putting Android Automotive initially just as you know, Android Auto to connect your phone, but now as the operating system of the head unit, so really getting embedded in the car and having a lot more access to uh, the vehicle data. And I'm sure Apple doesn't want to be left behind and you know we've heard snippets of what they're doing in the car for years and <laughs> who knows where that's going. But I mean those are, those are probably the ones that would mm -hmm. immediately come to mind. Well and I wonder what kind of impact does the Apple Sony play have, right? If you've got Podcasts being one piece of it, then you have all these music libraries that have, you know, decades worth of content that are available too. Is there, a, is there room for the music companies to get involved beyond outside of a Pandora or a Spotify or whatever? The content part of it, whether it's podcasts or music or news or other things, I actually think they are hungry for distribution. So if, if somebody can actually create that kind of listening and, dist and distribution, they are there so quickly. I mean, basically, podcasting is free to the consumer, and you can get it on any podcast player, and anybody can access podcasts. So it, content really is, a, is available. 
one of the biggest challenges for this and biggest opportunities is the monetization of it. The business parallel that I like to think about is a company called Captivate. It's a digital out-of-home company where when you get in an elevator, you see the screen, and there's news and weather and traffic, and there's an ad in there. And the parallel to the car companies is, is pretty uncanny because if you replace the building owner or manager with the car company, basically what happens is the building agrees to put the screen in. The building works with Captivate to define both the programming and the advertising parameters and guidelines. Captivate is the service provider. They deliver the full programming designed for that elevator. It's really an IoT kind of an experience. Captivate then goes and sells the ads. The advertiser actually says, I want to be in 425 West Randolph, or I want to be in this building. And so they're able to pinpoint where they put their ads, and then Captivate writes the building owner a check. When I think about the, the business model of, of what this service provider is, it's really kind of a digital out-of-home kind of a model. And I think there are a number of players, iHeart, you know, has huge clear channel outdoors. You've got companies like Captivate who are smaller and focused in elevators. You have JC Deco, the French company that if you see every billboard. airport in a billboard, and that, that's a global company. We need to think outside the box in terms of other business models and figure out who are the, the kind of players because I think there's a location element of this here, TomTom, mm -hmm. Tom, because I think location is a real differentiator. Amazon, somebody with the voice technology is key. Yep. There are content providers and there are advertisers. And it's not been done before really in the car, except SiriusXM is a parallel business model. So, uh, but, but I do think that that's part of the challenge is you've got so many car companies, so many players, it's complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah. The, the, the parallel that you draw is interesting relative to the elevator. Uh, you know, that is very much a push model as opposed to a vehicle environment where it's very much a, I, I, I'm going to select. One to right. one. Yeah, right. it becomes and one to one. It, but it's me doing the selecting. When I get into right. a building, it's the building and the advertiser and the geo tracking and all of that that's pushing the right information to me. When I get in my vehicle, I want to be in charge of the content relative right. to my experience. Right. right. You don't want it to be too much like Tom Cruise and Minority Report. But it is kind of like that, where you, you can get personalized kinds of things. And the nice thing about the car is if you, let's say, use the phone as like a remote for the car, it knows who you are, mm -hmm. it has your personal information, you could get into the car and it basically could just deliver the stories, the streams that are interesting because of this one-to-one one -one Either initially connection. set up and or learned. curated over time. And yeah, and learned over time. behavior. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fascinating and frightening all at the same time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is why it needs to be trusted and responsible. Yeah. I mean, exactly. yes. But again, accepted, but accepted too. Like you said, the younger audiences, they, mm -hmm. they, they're very much happy to and comfortable giving away that certain data component of what I am, what I'm doing, who I am, et cetera, in exchange for that value equation has to be, you know, one-to-one, right. one. has yep. to be a good balance there. Exactly. So, exactly. Okay. I, I think about my kids when they're older and they get into the car 
I, I feel like they're going to be saying, like, you used to, like, change the station? Like, what is that what? really? Like, what, what, <laughs> wait, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Doesn't it just give you what you want? Our guests on Talking the Drive have been Rod McKenzie and Roy Casino. I'm John McLeod, and we welcome your thoughts. Drop me a line at drive, D-R-I-V-E, at rivet360.com. Talking the Drive is produced by Rivet360, a technology and production company that's excited about what's next for people, places, and things. Mm-hmm.